You're listening to the Grace Point Northwest podcast. We hope that you will be encouraged and built up in your relationship with Jesus as you hear the preaching and teaching of God's Word. If Grace Point Northwest is not your home church, it is our heart that this podcast will be supplemental and not a substitute to you belonging to a local church in your community. If we can help you get connected to a church in your community, please let us know. And we hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday gathering. Good morning, Grace Point Church Northwest. Happy Easter. Christ is risen, and He is risen indeed. If you got a Bible, go ahead and open up to Hebrews chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to download the YouVersion app. All you got to do is go over to events and type in Grace Point Church Northwest, and you can follow along there. Also, if this is your first time joining us online this morning, I just want to welcome you. I want you to know that Grace Point Church Northwest is a church where everyone can come as they are, no matter where they are on their spiritual journey, to discover and strengthen a relationship with Jesus. And we're so glad you're tuning in this morning. All we're going to ask you to do right now is just pull out your phone and text the word WELCOME to 702-710-7411. That is, text the word WELCOME to 702-710-7411. What that'll do is just keep you in the know of all things taking place at Grace Point Church Northwest during the season. Now I would like to invite you to follow along as we hear our scripture from Hebrews 13 read. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but this is a really exciting time in my family's life, especially during this time of the year. I can remember a few years ago being awakened early into the morning by something that sounded like a maraca. It was about 2.30, and my daughter had gotten up out of bed and went to the bathroom, but on the way there, she found a plastic egg full of jelly beans. When my kids were younger, my wife would oftentimes take plastic eggs and fill them up with jelly beans and hide them in the house. When she found that egg, she immediately brought it to our room and said, Hey, I want candy. Now, I can't help but to think that many of us have a similar question or a similar demand, if you will, during this time of the year. We want candy, especially the candy you only get during this time of the year, those certain chocolates and bunnies and peeps. And I can tell you, I went to Smith's the other day and I saw they had hot tamale peeps and they're not that bad. However, my kids not only look forward to candy, but they also look forward to something else that they're enjoying right now, and that is called spring break. Now, there's no doubt that the spring break they're going through this year differs than what they went through last year. However, there are a lot of similarities. For instance, they're not in school right now. They get to stay up really late, and they get to sleep in. They get to play a lot of video games and watch a lot of movies. But the question I have for you is this. What are you looking forward to? I know for some of us, we look forward to the weather change. You know, the weather gets warm, but it doesn't get too warm. It's almost perfect during this time of the year. Others of us, we get really excited about celebrations and birthdays and anniversaries. And still, we get excited about being able to see family and friends on Zoom and FaceTime during this time of year. Friends and family we don't normally get to see. But have you ever thought about why we look forward to candy, spring break, relatives and anniversaries and birthdays? I think it's because you and I, we're looking for rest. We're looking for peace. But the question that I have for us is just simply this. Do we really find the rest and peace we long for in these things? Think about candy, for instance. It's fun. It's full of joy, right? Until that joy turns to guilt because you realize very quickly that you ate an entire bag of Cadbury mini eggs all by yourself. Or am I the only one that has done that? And when it comes to spring break, we know that with spring break, it's eventually going to what? It's going to end. All the students watching, Monday is coming and back to school we go. And that used to be a time of rest and break for parents, but definitely not this year. Because guess what? When they go back to school, we all tend to go back to school, right? Because school is now in our homes. And this weather has been absolutely amazing. It's been awesome, no doubt about it. But we all know what is coming. 
110 and 115. I got friends who oftentimes say to me, well, Travis, it's a dry heat. And I'll usually respond, so is a blowtorch. And with birthdays and anniversaries, what comes with that? The knowledge that we're getting older. We're no longer in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and so on. You see, it gets hot and we get older and the peace is gone. And some of you right now, you're listening to this, you're going, so much for Happy Easter. Thanks a lot, Travis. And I hear you, but please hang with me for a few minutes. All I'm trying to say is that many of us are trying to cling to peace during this time, to a peace that will not last, when God our Father has come to give us a peace that will last forever. That's why the author of Hebrews writes in Hebrews 13, 20, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. You see, the author of Hebrews there tells us who our God is. He is the God of peace. But the language not only tells us who our God is, but also what our God is doing. Our God is bringing peace to us. And I don't know about you, but you and I, we could definitely use more peace in this world. I mean, think about it. All you got to do is turn on the news. All you got to do is get into a conversation with a family member through Zoom. Or just simply go to Costco and you'll see there's not a whole lot of peace, but a lot of division. My son and I have been watching a lot of YouTubes recently. And one of the things we noticed is a, a series of videos of people in shopping, like, grocery stores and shopping areas and Costco and stuff like that. And what are they doing? They're fighting. And what are they fighting over? Toilet paper and hand sanitizer. Not a lot of peace there. But this lack of peace that we're experiencing now is nothing new. We used to watch this thing called March Madness. And I can remember a few years ago checking out the news and I saw a story of two guys that actually got into a fist fight at a kidney dialysis clinic. And why did they get in that fist fight? I'll quote it to you. One guy started to run his mouth so another one got up and hit him. So how do we heal this division? What is the answer? Many of us, we try to heal this division and this lack of peace through education, through politics, and through causes. But please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Education, politics, and causes all can be good things, but what they are is insufficient saviors. You see, I would argue you and I are more educated than we have ever been before. We're not only more educated than we've ever been before, but we're more political than we've ever been before. And we're also definitely into more causes than we've ever been before. And the Bible communicates that not only is God peace, but He is the only one who can bring lasting peace. How? Through the person of Jesus. I mean, have you ever thought about why we are so divided? The scripture is clear the reason for that. It's because of sin. And a couple of weeks ago, I gave you guys a definition of what sin is. And it was so good, I think it bears worth repeating. You see, Tim Keller says it like this. He says, sin isn't only doing bad things. It's more fundamentally making good things into ultimate things. Sin is building your life and meaning on anything, even a very good thing, more than on God. Whatever we build our life on will drive us and enslave us. Sin is primarily idolatry. This is normally tax season, but thankfully we got an extension to June. However, this is just a reminder, don't forget about that. Happy Easter, right? However, if somebody decides to cheat on their taxes, why would they do that? What answer would you give? Many of us would say, well, they're a bad person or they're a sinner. And though that may absolutely be true, my question is, why did they sin? What's the root of it? Could it be that the root of it is making money? And by making money and through the accumulation of money, they get a comfort and status that is more important to them than God in His favor. So what have you given a godlike weight in your life? When you and I live for anything other than God, what we will find is it won't bring peace, but it will bring division. Division with God and division with one another. That's why there's no peace. You see, whatever you and I have given God-like weight in our lives is at war with God and with other people. You see, that's why there's no peace in this world. 
It is what led C.S. Lewis to say in his book, Mere Christianity. Fallen man is not simply an imperfect creature who needs improvement. He is a rebel who must lay down his arms. You see, the author of Hebrews tells us that the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, what does that even mean? Well, it tells us this, that the essence of sin is you and me substituting ourselves or something else for God. But the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. Let me say that again. The essence of sin is you and I substituting ourselves or something else for God. But the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. The Bible is clear. Because of our rebellion, you and I deserve to die and be separated from God for all eternity. The Apostle Paul writes in the book of Romans, in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What's the Greek word there for all? You guessed it. All. That means you and me and everyone we see. And what do we deserve? Well, Paul tells us in Romans 6, 23, in the first part of it, he says this, For the wages of sin is death. Now, a wage is a payment. And recently, we got a picture in the mail from our association that decided to show us how wonderful all of our weeds are. And so I basically looked at my son and I said, Hey, Kay, I want you to go out and pull all the weeds and, and I'll pay you for it. Well, guess what he did as soon as he got done pulling all those weeds? He came in and he demanded his wage. He demanded payment. Why? He did the work. This is what he deserves. In the same way, what Paul is telling us is that because of the sin in our lives, we have earned a payment. We have earned a wage. And what is that wage? It is death. And yet what follows this really, really bad news is some really, really good news. For Paul continues in that same verse with a little word that I so love that's in the Bible. And what is it? But, listen to what he says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You've got to love the big butts of the Bible. Why? Because they do not lie. And what usually follows the big butts of the Bible is some really, really good news. The author of Hebrews tells us that in love, God sent his son, Jesus, the great shepherd, to do what? To die for the sheep. You see, Jesus lived the life you and I were meant to live. Jesus died the death that you and I were meant to die, not just for us, but instead of us. And Jesus also rose again, declaring that what he did was enough to reconcile you and me back into a right relationship with God and with one another for all eternity. Romans 4.25 says that Jesus was raised up for our trespasses. The cross was not just something done for you, but it was something done by you. And Jesus was raised up for our trespasses where he died on the cross for our sins in our place for us. But also it says in Romans 4.25, he was delivered or he was raised up for our justification. What does that mean? That Jesus didn't stay dead. He's not in the grave. He rose again declaring that what he did was, to, was enough to make you and me right with God. You see, the resurrection is like God's way of stamping paid in full across the entire history of the world so that nobody can miss it. And what is the result of this? Peace. Why? Because the moment you and I trust in Jesus, guess what? God becomes our father, Jesus becomes our brother, and we have other brothers and sisters who are called Christians, and we have peace with all of them. You see, the resurrection of Jesus is what we focus on here today. And here's the reason why. 
If we have the cross without the resurrection, what you and I have is basically a declaration of love with no hope. Why is that? Because we're still in our sins. And there are many of us in here today who struggle with that. Yet an old philosopher or missionary by the name of Leslie Newbegin says something like this, Doubt is not an autonomous activity. One can only rationally doubt a statement on the basis of something else which one believes to be true. Please allow me a moment just to simply challenge some of those beliefs. So many of us, we doubt the resurrection because we don't know the evidence. Over the years, I've heard so many reasons people have given for why or how Jesus could not have come back. Some people say that Jesus just merely passed out on the cross. That while he was up there, he passed out and when he was put into the tomb, he came to, rolled away the stone and went about free. But when you read the gospel accounts and the stories, you see that could not possibly have happened. Jesus went through many sleepless nights as well as beatings and floggings. Not only that, but we read in John chapter 19 that he had a spear thrusted into his side. After that, he had roughly 100 pounds of linens put on him. And then he was put into a tomb where he went for three days and three nights without food and water. And for him to come to after that, just to pass out and to come to, and to roll that possible one-ton stone away, one theologian says that is as miraculous as the resurrection itself. Another one I've heard is as old as Matthew 28. And people will argue that Jesus' body was just simply stolen. The religious leaders came to the, to the centurions and the guards and all that, and they basically said, just say that people stole Jesus' body. But think about this. What were the disciples doing before Jesus uh, was killed, or even while he was killed, what were they doing? They were hiding, right? And so basically the argument is saying that somewhere between that time and this time, they got enough courage to go in and to break that seal, not even waking up those guards. And if they did wake up those guards, to wrestle with those guards to get Jesus' body away. Now, don't get me wrong. The disciples were tough guys. A lot of them were fishermen. But the, the guards were trained killers. I mean, this would be something comparable to SEAL Team 6 versus Deadliest Catch. And though they're both tough, we really know who's going to win that battle. Another one that I've heard is that it was Jesus' twin brother. That it wasn't Jesus up on the cross, but there was a mistaken identity and he put his twin brother up on the cross. Now this one actually makes me laugh a little bit, and here's the reason why. I have two cousins that are identical twins. I cannot tell them apart. There's just no way for me to do it. But you know who can tell them apart? Their mother. And I believe that if Mary was standing there and it wasn't Jesus on the cross, but somebody like Frank, she probably would have noticed. Another one is just that people say, well, it's a hallucination, that they all just hallucinated this. But most of us know that hallucination is a private event. It's not public. And 1 Corinthians 15 tells us there are over 500 people at one time who saw Jesus resurrected. He appeared in multiple places. You see, an hallucination is something that pre-exists in the mind. And I will tell you this, during this time you had Jewish people and you had Roman people. Jewish people did not even fathom an individual resurrection in time and place in history, a one resurrection, but rather they believed in a resurrection at the end of time of the entire nation. And if you were to go up to a Roman person and say to them, hey, Jesus lived in a body, died in a body, and rose again in a body, you know what they would probably say to you? That's gross. That's disgusting. Why? Because the Roman mind thought that the body, the material was bad, and it's the immaterial that is good. You see, nobody was even imagining a type of resurrection that Jesus did. You see, the God of peace sent, the son of Je sent his son Jesus into the world to be born into history, to live perfectly in history, to die in history, and to rise again in history to bring the peace of God in our lives.
And when we experience the resurrected love of Jesus, we will joyfully lay down our arms and idols and live for the glory of God. That's what the author of Hebrews talks about in verse 21. Listen to what it says. Equip you with everything good that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, the author of Hebrews is telling us that when it comes to the Christian life, being always precedes doing. And it is the work of God that makes the work of man even possible. Who do we work through? Well, the author tells us Jesus. You see, the idea behind the word equip is to mend, to perfect, to make good. It reminds me of when I was a kid, I would oftentimes work in the yard and build projects with my father. Now I would do the best I could hammering those nails. But if I'm honest with you, those nails were crooked. But who was right behind me, coming through right behind me to straighten that which is crooked? That was my father. You see, the author of Hebrews is praying that God will mend the best efforts of his children so that they are useful for what? For his glory. And Grace Point Church Northwest, over these last few weeks, you guys have been doing exactly this. Just the other day, my house got egged. Now, before you get the wrong idea of what took place there, we basically got this note that said, Hey, you have been egged. There are 12 eggs hiding in your yard. Find them all. Enjoy the treats. Fill the eggs up and egg another neighbor. Hang this on their door and hide the eggs in their yard. Keep the fun going. We opened up our door to walk outside to go search for 12 plastic eggs full of candy. That put a huge smile on our face, and we are going to have a lot of fun sharing that with our neighbors. I have seen post after post on social media of the ways you guys have done good, done the will of the Father by caring for one another. I've seen post after post of people buying toilet paper for people, meeting their needs. Yet there was something we did on April 3rd that I want you guys to check out right now. You see, on April 3rd, we had a tremendous opportunity to bless Silver Sky at Deer Springs Assisted Living. The residents there have been requesting face masks as they go about doing their day-to-day -day activities. And on April 3rd, you guys were able to provide 17 face masks to those residents, as well as breakfast. Why did we do all that? We don't do that to earn God's love. No, because we have God's love, this is why we do all of these activities. And we have His love not through anything we have done, but rather we have God's love through everything Jesus has done through His perfect life, death, and resurrection for us. You see, that love changes us and it motivates us to do good, to do God's will, and to do it with extravagant joy. So do you want lasting peace? Do you want everlasting love? then I would encourage you right now to trust in the resurrected Jesus who has come to reconcile you to God and to God's family. To be reconciled is to be made right. And how are we made right? Well, the Bible tells us through one simple word, through adoption. You see, by trusting in Jesus, a person is adopted into God's family. J.I. Packer writes in his book, Knowing God, he says this, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, Find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. Have you ever thought about why somebody adopts somebody? I've asked family and friends that question. Just a simple question. Why adoption? Why would you get into it? You know what they oftentimes tell me? Just because. They'll say, I wanted a child, and that's why we did this. Think about it. Why did God send His Son, Jesus, into this world so that through Him, you and I could become adopted children of God? 
because he wanted to. What that means is God wants you. That's why Packer goes on to say in his book that Christians should recite every single day this. One, I'm a child of God. Two, God is my father. Three, heaven is my home. Four, every day is one day nearer. My, five, my Savior is my brother. And six, every Christian is my brother and sister too. You see, that's peace. And if you cannot confidently say you have that peace, don't click off of this channel. Don't tune this out. Don't turn this off before you make that certain. You see, in Romans chapter 10, it says this. It says, if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts God raised him from the dead, you will be what? Saved. For it is with the heart that one believes and is justified and declared right and is with the mouth that one confesses and is saved. If you'd like to become a child of God today, then I'd like to invite you just to pray this prayer with me, understanding this, that reciting this prayer or even saying this prayer is not what saves you. Rather, what brings you into that right relationship with God and what brings you into that right relationship with other brothers and sisters in Christ is the truth that this prayer is declaring. Believe in that. So follow along and pray this prayer with me if you would like to trust in Jesus right now. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm weaker and more sinful than I ever before believed. But through your Son, Jesus, I can be more loved and accepted than I ever dared hope. I thank you that he lived the life I should have lived and paid the debt and punishment I owe. Receive me now for his sake. I turn from my sins and I receive him as Savior. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer right now, I wanna be the first to welcome you to God's family. And let us know that. You can email me at travis at gracepointvegas.com. That is travis at gracepointvegas.com. Email me and let me know and I will follow up with you. And I would like to personally invite you all to join us again next Sunday as we start a new series called Unshakable Joy through the book of Philippians. Grace Point Church Northwest, we love you. We're praying for you, and thank God Jesus is alive.